Stay with us following this week's Crosswalk for information on Pastor Clay's new book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. Growing in God's Word and learning what it means to take up our cross and follow Jesus. This is Crosswalk with Pastor Clay Stevens from Cross Culture Church in Raleigh. I have to understand that if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, then He has called me out to something different than what the world would say. In 1964, Bob Dylan released the song, The Times They Are A-Changin'. It was certainly a timely song, considering all the change that the 60s were bringing. Well, it's probably safe to say that Bob Dylan's song could have a revival in our day. The Times They Are A-Changin'. The Supreme Court has said it's okay for to live, whatever, you understand what I'm saying? And there's churches adopting that philosophy. I'm just telling you that God says, based on what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, writing in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, we can't, we can't do it. Hello and welcome to Crosswalk. Today we wrap up our series entitled Modern Family. A few weeks ago, Pastor Clay spent time in Ephesians chapter 6, walking through the family as God designed it and the responsibilities of each member of the family. Then we spent a few weeks watching a film about the importance of family. Today at Cross Culture, we saw the last part of that film and then Pastor Clay had some words of wisdom to us about what all this means for those of us who call ourselves followers of Jesus. In light of all the changes we see going on around us and the effect it is having on the family, Pastor Clay answers the questions, what should be our response? What are we to do as followers of Jesus? Now here's Pastor Clay with the wrap-up to Modern Family. Thank you guys for uh, being attentive and being here today and worshiping the Lord and uh, taking a few moments to uh, watched the last part of this film that was produced uh, last year by Focus on the Family, just discussing uh, the, uh, the importance of the family and our place uh, in the family and our family's place in the culture in which we exist. And uh, I just wanted to take a, a few moments uh, to kind of just think about in light of all that's going on in the world and in light of what this film was saying to us, what does it mean for us? What do we do with this? In light, of, in light of, quite honestly, the mess that our culture seems to be coming, in light of, of a deranged, dis, deeply disturbed young man walking into a church and, and killing nine people, supposedly because he didn't like the color of their skin, in light of Supreme Court rulings and Confederate flags and rainbow flags in light of this film and this, and I don't know whether you've made all three weeks of it or been able to be here for it to see it all, uh, but this discussion of the family and the priority of the family and the family's place in our culture and how it has helped to, to be the anchor point for our culture and, and our society. In light of all of this stuff, what does it mean for us? If, if I am a follower of Jesus, if, if you here this morning would profess to be a follower of Jesus in, in light of all that's going on in the world, in light of what, what does this mean for me? What does this mean for my family? I'd like to just, just throw a couple of ideas out there. I want to start with, with what we can't do. We, do. we can talk about what, what we can do, but I want to start with what we can't do. And this is really important that all of us who profess to be followers of Jesus, that we keep this in mind. And the first thing this morning is this. We can't circle the wagons. That option is not really open uh, to us. In Acts 
uh, chapter 1, verse 7 and 8, we find these uh, words. And uh, he said to them, this is Jesus uh, speaking just before he goes back to heaven. And he said to them, it is not for you to know times or epochs which the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my, say that next word, witnesses. That's a very churchy sounding word. It's a very evangelistic sounding word, but it's the word Jesus used. You shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and even to the remotest parts of the earth. The, some of you know around here cross culture, that's, that's our kind of our mission verse and our, we paraphrase it to say that our call is to go here, there and everywhere. Uh, that it is to engage the world around us. In the days when uh, settlers were pushing west and uh, they, were, they were traveling across the great plains and making their way uh, to, the, to the great unknown west, they oftentimes would travel uh, in what we know as wagon trains. Now, they would take all their belongings and their family and everything, they would ride in these, these covered wagons. You've all seen the cowboy movies and that kind of thing. And they would often travel in large numbers of uh, wagon traveling together, one behind the other, thus making the train, one behind the other on the trail. And the idea, of course, was was that there was safety in numbers, and if the time happened to come when they came under attack uh, by Native American Indians during that time, um, who were just defending their land, but we won't, we won't get into that, uh, but if they came under attack uh, during that uh, time, that they would uh, strategically circle their wagons up as a defensive maneuver to try and keep everything else out, to try and keep the, uh, the invading uh, uh, army, if you will, the invading and to try and keep them out and keep everybody safe inside. And I'm sure, uh, depending on the number of, uh, of wagons and number of rifles and number of the enemies and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure, for the most part, circling the wagons is probably a pretty strategically sound uh, defensive maneuver. But it is not an option. For followers of Jesus. We cannot, we must not circle the wagons and say, listen, it's, it's us against them. It's, 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 it's followers of Jesus against the rest of the world and all of its craziness. And, and we're just going to hold up here and we're going to be safe and we're going to be inside. No, Jesus uh, said this. You know these words. Matthew chapter 5, uh, Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? Having to do, he's talking about uh, the the, uh, the the analogy. There is is your life is is reflection. If 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 you lose uh, this this idea, the separation of who you are in God, can it be made salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Is worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And listen to us. Listen to this sound reasoning. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. That's just stupid. I'm sorry. I, I get in trouble when I say stupid when my grandkids are around. They, that's, I'm not allowed to say that. But that's not smart. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, this is what he does with a lamp. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everybody in the house. So that everybody can see it. So that everybody benefits from this light. This is our call, ladies and gentlemen. Like it or not, this is our call to be salt and light. 
to be witnesses, to impact the world around us. And listen, I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure that most of the world that would not agree with me as a follower of Jesus and, and, and my belief, beliefs on what God's word says about morality and stances, I'm sure that most of the world would just assume that we sit down and shut up. And listen, can I tell you this? Let's be honest. That would be a lot easier. It would. It'd be a lot easier to just, just like I said, sit down and shut up and say, well, it's just us. And, you know, we, we don't agree with them. They don't agree with us. So we'll just be here. That would be a lot easier. But listen to me. God has not called us to easier. God has not called us to easier. God has called us to engage the world around us. So we can't circle the wagons. Okay? Second, we can't open the gates. Second Corinthians chapter 6 powerful passage of scripture as of course all of it is but look at what Paul the apostle Paul is writing this look what he says don't team up with those who are unbelievers don't don't partner with them don't engage them don't be in this relationship with them how can well, listen to his reasoning how can righteousness be a partner with wickedness you see what he's saying if, if you're supposed to be living this righteous life according to God's standards and somebody else is living a life based on whatever standards they want or whatever standards the culture says at that time or whatever else he, Paul says how, how are you possibly going to to be able to be at peace with them how can light live with darkness what harmony can there be between Christ and the devil How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? What union can there be between God's temple and idols? You see these contrasts that he's drawing? For we, say it, say this with me. For we are the temple of the living God. We who have professed Christ, been redeemed by his blood. What we sang about this morning that was even mentioned in the video. We've been redeemed. And that we've been adopted into the family of God, not based on anything that we have done or anything we deserve, but only on what God has done for us. But because of that redemption, we have, we are in essence the temple of the living God. As God said, I will live in them and I'll walk among them and I'll be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from among, watch this, therefore come out from among unbelievers and separate yourselves from them says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and I will welcome you and I will be your father and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Pretty strong words, right? Pretty strong words. And listen, Paul's Paul's all over the Old Testament. Uh, as, as he's, he's, he's taking pieces from the Old Testament. He's quoting directly from the Old Testament. He, he's, in, he's in Deuteronomy chapter 29. He's in Leviticus chapter uh, 26. He, he's in 2 Samuel chapter 7. He's in 1 Chronicles chapter 17. He's in Isaiah chapter 43 and Isaiah chapter 52. He's in Jeremiah 31. He's all over the place. He's in Jeremiah 31. He's in Hosea chapter 1. He's all over the place and, and he's pulling this all together and he's building this case and he's saying, listen, listen, God is holy, God is righteous, God is unlike anything else and if you identify with him, if you're a part of who he is, then you have to understand that that, that by necessity separates you from those who are not followers of the living God. Now, listen to me. Y'all looking at me? This does not conflict with the first point I just made. Did you hear me? The call 
to to separate ourselves does not conflict with or cancel the call to engage the world around us and to reach them, to be salt and light to them. What Paul is saying is, is that we cannot, we cannot embrace uh, a world system or practices or, or uh, uh, anything like that that is contrary to what God would have us to do. Why? Peter says, First uh, uh, Peter Uh, Chapter 1, but like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior because it is written. Would you say that with me, please? You shall be holy for I am holy. Most of you probably know that the word holy in essence means separateness, unlike other. So in the context of this, unlike a a world that would that would indulge or embrace uh, what God says immoral, they would call moral and embrace whatever the. Whatever it is, whatever we're talking about, we're called, because he is holy, we're called to be separate, to be unlike that. And yet, we're called to engage the world around us. Just this week, uh, one of the local television stations was covering this, uh, was interviewing this local pastor here in Raleigh who, who was saying that he was so glad that churches were beginning to embrace uh, and accept all uh, lifestyles. Now, uh, listen, I'm just telling you, you might as well, from God's perspective, you might as well go ahead and write anathema on that, on the, on the door of that church. Cursed of God. Dedicate it to destruction because God will have none of it. He won't. And, and if we are His children, He called us out, that does not mean that I should be arrogant or argumentative or or anything else but but I have to understand that if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ then he has called me out to something different than what the world would say so we can't just open the gates and say hey 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 yeah come on everybody come on listen we're all we're all you know sinners not that's not true I mean it's not untrue right we're all sinners hey uh let's just embrace the Supreme Court has said it's okay for to live, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? It just, come on in. And, and there's churches adopting that philosophy. I'm just telling you that God says, based on what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, writing in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, borrowing from the Old Testament, we can't, we can't do it. We can't just, I don't think that means we shouldn't invite people, that whether they agree with our lifestyle or their lifestyle. Whatever, I, don't, we, I think we should, uh, should bring people in. I think we should uh, try and love people. But we can't, we can't hide the truth. We can't change the truth. Uh, nor can we, can we accept uh, the idea that a person is, is okay in whatever, in whatever lifestyle or whatever life decision or choice that they're making if it's wrong. In the case of the video in which we just saw the, the gentleman that does the whole narration through the whole thing, uh, it, it, was, it was right for somebody at some point to say uh, to his dad, you're wrong. Walking out and having an affair on your wife, and, and it's wrong. You shouldn't do that. Somebody has to do that. So, so a couple of things we can't do. So what does that mean we, we can do? Let, let me just give you this real quick. We can honor God. That's what we can do. We can honor God. If I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, that ought to be the objective of my life anyway, right? So we can honor God. Listen, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, 14, certainly one of, if not my ultimate life verse. I have lots of life verses, but Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, 14, that's the whole story. Uh, uh, Solomon writing an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's wrapping this thing, this book about life. And he says, there's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusions. 
fear God and obey his commands for this is everyone's duty. Solomon says, here it is. When you wrap it all up, put it all, put a bow on it, here it is. Fear God, obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. God will judge us for everything we do, including every secret thing, whether good or bad. Solomon said, this, this is really what it comes down to. And you have in this, uh, you, have, you have, especially in verse 13, you have this purpose for life. Now, I, I, I'm sorry if you happen to think that your purpose for life is just to, you know, have a good time or... or party like a rock star or, or whatever else. But your purpose for life is to be in an intimate relationship with God and to honor him with that life. That, that's, that's what Solomon says. When all has been heard, here it is. He says, fear God and keep his, say it, commandments. That's it. And, and there's no caveat. There's no fine. There's no boom. That's it. This is the purpose for life. Well, well uh, I, find, I find my purpose for life in uh, sleeping with as many women as I, as I want to, and I'm happy doing that. I find my purpose in, in, uh, in gathering wealth, becoming wealthy, and collecting toys. And that's right. Listen, that is a cheap imitation at best of what God offers to us. That is a cheap imitation at best of where real life's purpose is found. And it completely, that mindset completely ignores the second part of this, verse 14, which is not only the, the purpose for life, but, but also the promise for death. Verse 14, he says, for God will bring everything to light, everything. There, God says, there's going to be this judgment. Well, I don't believe in that. Okay, but that doesn't really change anything. I mean, if it, it's either true or it's not true. As I've said many times, I'm going with the guy that beat death. Going with the guy that rose from the dead. But God says it's going to be this judgment. And listen, you can say, well, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to stay in great shape and I'm going to take care of my body. Fantastic. I, I hope you do. You should. Looking good. Looking fine. But listen, with all the scientific and medical and technical advances we've made over the last hundred years, guess what? The death rate is still 100%. You, you're going to die. We're going to die. And God says that we will stand before him. Now, I understand there's some that's different if I'm in a relationship with Jesus, that, that before God will be different than those without a relationship with Jesus. But the point is that there's an afterlife and people will stand before him. And Solomon says, that's, that's, that's the conclusion to the whole matter. So we can honor God with our lives. How do we do that? Real quick. I'm just, I'm just going to mention them going. We can respond compassionately. We've got to love people. Agree with us, don't agree with us. Like us, don't like us. And it's hard, right? People are like telling you off. People are saying, my wife engaged in this conversation on Facebook, you know, with, with somebody that, that used to come to cross culture that had a different view on, on uh, sexuality and all that kind of stuff. And, and somebody else jumped in and, and uh, she's just insulting Cindy left and right. And then, you know, she's, and she's, she was, <laughs> never mind. It's just, Come on. Really? We're with Cindy. We got to no, lo- love. love. We got to love people, good, bad, indifferent. And I know it's not easy, but we got to find a way to love and, and to show compassion. We can respond compassionately. Secondly, we need to respond uh, intelligently. All right? They, listen, if, if somebody doesn't agree with you and you say, I, here's what God's word says, they already think you're an idiot. They already think you're a Bible-thumping idiot, right? So respond intelligently. Study God's word. See what God's word says. Be, no, Colonel Sanders, you're wrong. That's not good enough. That's not good enough. We have to be able to say, listen, 
Man, I understand you don't feel the same way I do. I, I, I love you. I really do. I care about you. But here's what God said. We need to be able to say, here's what God's word says. We need to know what their arguments are. If it's a this, well, well, I choose, I, I'm just not in love with my wife anymore. I'm going to love somebody else. Or I'm not this. Or I'm that. We need to know how to respond to people. We can respond intelligently. But we have to work to get there. And then, and then third, we need to respond unapologetically. I don't, again, I don't mean air. I don't mean argumentatively, but what I mean is that we don't have to be ashamed or afraid to say, I believe, I believe God. God says this, I believe that. You don't have to believe that. God's not forcing you. He never has. He never will. But this is what he says. I happen to believe it. I'm going with God. But we don't have to be. We don't have to be ashamed of that. Okay? Now listen, here we go. Here we go. And, and then just a second. Matthew's going to come up. We're going to close this thing out. Um, hate to be the bearer of bad news, but it is probably not going to get better in this culture for followers of Jesus. It, it, it's probably not going to get better. It, it's probably going to continue. I mean, I want to think that God can, you know, bring a great revival, and he can. I'm not, I'm not downplaying or diminishing that. I know that he can. I know that we can make uh, effect, and that cross-culture and other churches can have an impact on the world, and we can change people's lives. But I'm just saying, as a culture, as a whole, we're probably, it's probably going to get a lot worse than it's going to, before it's going to get better. You're probably going to be rejected by some people, maybe even some friends, maybe even some family members. You, you, may, you, may, you may lose at this thing. You may have to suffer to some extent. Can I say this to you? The Christian world in general, the rest of the Christian world in general, has known what it means to suffer for Christ. They've known that for a long time. America is about to discover it. But here's what Jesus said. And I know this is a bit long. Here's what Jesus said. Matthew uh, chapter 10. He's talking to his disciples about this whole thing, right? Students are not greater than their teacher. Slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, Jesus saying this, since I, the master of the household, have been called uh, the prince of demons, that's what they've called me, Jesus said, they've called me the prince of demons, well, the members of my household will be called even worse names. Have you been called a prince of a demon yet? <laughs> Apparently it's going to get worse. If you, if you say, I'm, I'm, going with, I'm with Jesus on this one. But don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. You don't have to apologize for for believing what God says. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetop for all to hear. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They cannot touch your soul. Aren't you glad? Fear only God. Who can destroy both soul and body in hell? What's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Some of y'all don't take as long for God to count as others. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Why? You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Everyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth, I will also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Are you listening to these words, folks? It's not me. I'm just quoting what God said. But everyone who denies me here on earth, I will also deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine that I came to bring peace to the earth. I came, to bring, I came not to bring peace, but a sword. Wow. I've come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. Wow, that's hard. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross, this instrument of death, and follow me, you're not worthy 
worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. If you cling to this little few years that you have and that this is what it's about and this is what matters, you're going to lose all of that. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. Thanks, Pastor. What a powerful and sobering passage there in Matthew chapter 10. It's clear from reading that God expects His children to stand for His truth and righteousness, no matter what the cost. As Pastor Clay reminded us, we can't circle the wagons and wall ourselves off from the rest of the world. We are called to be salt and light in this decaying dark culture. But at the same time, we can't open the gates either. We can't just accept things for the way they are and allow the world to dictate what the church believes and teaches. In the end, as we heard today, what we can do is honor God with our lives. There may be a cost in this world, but never forget, God is on His throne and victory is assured. We're glad you joined us for this week's Crosswalk. Pastor Clay is the author of the book, I Get It, Discovering How to Really Live in the Promises of God. My prayer is that God would use it to help some people understand a few things about what it really takes to live in the promises of God. God wants you to live a life of peace and purpose and meaning and hope and fulfillment and contentment. He wants you to live a life without fear and without anxiety. Many people at some point in their life feel disconnected with the type of life and faith they read about in the Bible and what their lives look like on a daily basis. What is it that we're missing? What is it that we're not getting. If I'm not really living in the promises of God, why is that? That's what this book explores. I Get It is available online in electronic versions for the Nook and Kindle, as well as paperback form from Amazon.com. And ask for it by name at your favorite local bookstore. You can go in bookstores and just say, hey, uh, have you got a book in here uh, entitled I Get It from Clay Stevens? They can order this book out of their catalogs that they get. Get your copy today. Discover the promises of God and the steps you need to take to get it. And join us here each week online for another Crosswalk message. God has invited us to know Him through His Word, the Bible, a perfect record of God's revelation to man and applicable to every area of our lives. And if you're in the Raleigh area, we invite you to be a part of cross-culture worship. We meet at 1030 every Sunday morning at the Leesville Road High School, a mile and a half south of I-540, exit 7. Cross-Culture Church. We're a church, but instead of religion, we're about relationships. And instead of rituals, we practice realness. Our desire is to be used by God to show people that a life built on the finished work of Christ on the cross is where you'll find what you're searching for. Cross-Culture Church. I'm not the water, I'm not the bread, but I know the place where your soul is fed. So hungry and thirsty, come and be blessed. I want to lead you to the cross. I want to lead you to the cross. Cross-Culture Church, a new church for people like you. Learn more about us, who we are, what we're about, what we do, and what we believe. Visit us online at crossculturelife.org.